Hello, and welcome to episode 435 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. As always, joined by Evan Silva is here. The NFL regular season is upon us. We will be playing DFS and betting props. We are already betting props and playing DFS. Almost makes you feel happy to be alive. Evan, how's it going? Good. We just banged out the NFC team by team. We'll be doing these all year. AFC today. Yeah, going to do the AFC today. I really think this is going to be valuable all year as it was last season for people. We will recap the usage. We'll look forward to the next week. We'll look back at the previous week, things we are watching going forward. For this show, week one, we're going to talk about DFS. We're going to talk about trades, waiver wire, things that we're watching in week one. As I mentioned, DFS season, aka the best season, is here. This is when it really matters to have the most reliable data and analysis. I've been saying it all summer, but no one takes projecting how football players will perform on Sundays more seriously than us. On top of that, we've got the ownership projections, Silva's matchups columns, which is already up, showdown analysis, which is already up, and really everything I think you need to win at DFS, annual, weekly, and monthly options are available on the site. Also, best ball season is not over just yet. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Underdog Fantasy. They have this absurd 2 million to first, 1 million to second place fantasy tournament running right now. Best way to put your knowledge to use. If you use promo code ETR when you sign up, they'll match your first deposit up to $100. It's really an unbelievable contest. And drafting now is great practice for any home league drafts you have remaining. All right, let's start with the Baltimore Ravens. And I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but what I'm looking at in week one with the Baltimore Ravens is Isaiah Likely. I mean, I never would have thought that's why I'd be watching in week one for the Ravens, but this dude looks like an incredible pass catcher on a team that is desperate for mm -hmm. pass catching and a team that's willing to use two and three wide receiver sets at a really high rate. Now, I do think that Isaiah Likely is best detached from the line, and Mark Andrews is also best detached from the line. So I'm not sure how much Isaiah Likely can play, which is why I don't want to go overboard on him. But maybe they have some stuff in mind with in line, or maybe they have both of them split wide at times. I mean, they have nothing at wide receivers. So I'm looking at that. Evan, what are you looking at with the Ravens? Yeah, and the pathway just continues to be cleared for Isaiah Likely, who was a stud at uh, at Coastal Carolina. Mm -hmm. um, Coastal Carolina was like a legit good college team, um, and he was a, an absolute stud on, on that team. He was drafted in the fourth round along with – they used two fourth-round picks on tight ends. Um, they also drafted Charlie Kolar. Charlie Kolar went on injured reserve. So, again, the Cs are kind of parting here, like definitely parting here. For Isaiah Likely, and I, and I mean, at this point, I expect him to be somewhere between forty and sixty percent of the snaps in Week One. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, J.K. Dobbins, uh, we we have to monitor his health as the week progresses. Um, you know, they signed Mike Davis, they signed Kenyon Drake, they kept Justice Hill. They've got dudes on their practice squad they can bring up. Um, but that, that that's what I'm keeping my uh, my eye on here for the Ravens is J.K. Dobbins' health. Uh, don't say that too loudly. J.K. Dobbins might come in here and uh, just dunk all over you. I mean, J.K. Dobbins, if you say anything about J.K. Dobbins' injury status on Twitter, yeah. he's coming for the dunk. He's coming oh, for the yeah. tomahawk dunk, so. <laughs> Unbelievable. Bills. Uh, we've followed it all summer. I'm confident in my take on McKenzie versus Crowder, but I actually want to see it. And so on Thursday night, I will be hopeful, and I am very optimistic that Isaiah McKenzie will be the every-down slot wide receiver in that Cole Beasley role in this Bills explosive Bills offense. 
but it's not 100%. Like I could see them mixing in some crowd. I could see them mixing in some other guys, but I really do feel like being McKenzie, we did take uh, a McKenzie over 22 and a half receiving yards in this game. That, that line is long gone, but uh, yeah, I thought that was good for an over. So optimistic on Isaiah McKenzie for props, for season long, for best ball. I got a lot of Isaiah McKenzie. Evan, what are you looking for out of the Bills on Thursday night? Thursday night, I want to see if they call more passing plays for Dawson Knox. Um, OJ Howard was cut at the end of training camp. I believe he's he resurfaced with Houston. Is that correct? Uh, no? I believe so. Yeah, yes, that is yeah. right. Because I was worried about my Brevin Jordan shares. <laughs> Always worried about the Brevin Jordan shares. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and then Quentin Morris, who they kept, uh, they kept three tight ends. Also Tommy Sweeney, the Bills did. And Quentin Morris, uh, undrafted, kind of interesting guy, second-year undrafted free agent. Um, he is not practicing ahead of the Thursday night game against the Rams. We know Dawson Knox is going to play a ton. He played 87% of the Bills' offensive snaps last year. But are they going to call? would they call more plays for him this season? I know people have been down on him because, look, he had, you know, I don't know, 50 catches and nine touchdowns last year, and that's tough to repeat. But he's also clearly – the Bills' best red zone target, and he's been an ascending player. He gets better every season. So could he have a bigger b- bigger target share this year? And, I mean, I, I think that the answer is yes. I, I think he wound up being a, a very fine pick as that, like, tight end eight, tight end nine. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't take him very much, but I think it's an interesting thought that he could have a different and better role this year. One other thing to watch with Buffalo is are they actually going to use three running backs? That's everything out of the team suggests. They're going to use Zach mm-hmm. Moss, Devin Singletary, and – James Cook. So we'll see if they actually do that on Thursday night. Cincinnati, I, you know, one thing we talk about all the time with Cincinnati last year was there's just no question. Like we know how they're going to play. We know who's going to play. We know exactly how it's going to go. Joe Mixon's going to be the base back. Samaj so P. Ryan on pass downs. All three wide receiver sets are going to be the same three wide receivers. The only thing I can think of that to watch for is with their improved offensive line, will they be more pass happy? Will they start pushing towards those bucks? the uh, Chiefs level of pass happiness. I don't think they're going to do that, but they at least some chance given their wide receiver core, given improved offensive line, given Joe Burrow another year removed from the ACL. And if they do, I mean, my God, Cincinnati could have just a huge offensive passing year, but go ahead on the Bengals. No, I, that's what I was going to, uh, that was what I, I was going to touch on. I, I would add to that, you know, can we get Joe Mixon in there on more obvious passing downs? because they are bringing back Samaj P. Ryan. They are bringing back Chris Evans, who they've talked up with a potentially bigger role. And they even kept Travion Williams, who is um, a, de- a decent player in the passing game, although I think he's primarily going to be a special teamer. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Cleveland Browns, I'm looking for David Njoku usage. I, I, you know, there were so many late-round tight ends that I liked through this process. Albert O, Njoku, Gerald Everett, Molly Cox. Brevin Jordan, they all come to mind, but I'm kind of most optimistic on the ceiling for David Njoku. Of course, they gave him the four-year, 72 million. I think he's going to play almost every snap, really athletic. Obviously, Jacoby Brissett is not ideal, but I want to see how many targets Njoku can earn because in the past, he has not been a great target earner. They need it from him now. They need him to help and elevate Jacoby Brissett. So we'll see how that goes with David Njoku. Anything for you on the Browns, Evan? Yeah, as and I, I did the uh, the Browns uh, write up against the Panthers, and it's up on the site. And um, I, you know, the the way that it kind of worked out to me was like the, the Browns could absolutely end up build their building their passing game around 
David Njoku. You know, um, Amari Cooper is a transplant, and I mean he's a he's a good player. He's not he's coming off one of his worst seasons. Um, and then Donovan Peoples Jones is like locked in as their number two receiver right now. He's sort of like a, you know Marquez Valdez Scantling type, uh, like a, a vertical route runner. And then David Bell, a third round rookie who we like, mm-hmm. but did miss half of camp, and he's a third round rookie. Like he's locked in as their number three, I think. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, there's not, not, not a ton there at, at receiver and, uh, and David Njoku is like the most tenured. He's got the biggest con. Well, he doesn't have the biggest contract Amari Cooper does, but he's got a really, really big contract. They committed to him the franchise tag. Then they gave him the extension. Like they love, he's going to play way more than he has in past seasons. Yep. Let's go to the Broncos. Obviously, everybody's going to be watching how Javante and Melvin is used. Last year, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon alternated series by series. I suspect this year that it might not be like that, that Melvin will be more of a breather back, a situational back instead of series by series. But we'll see there. The other thing I'm watching is that Albert O usage, such weird stuff in the preseason with Albert O playing deep into the fourth quarter with all backups, just really weird stuff. Still such a talented guy. And Greg Dolchich uh, is on IR. So I'm still optimistic on Albert O, but there's like some piece of his preseason usage that gives me real pause. I actually want to see it with Albert. Oh, anything for you on the Broncos? Yeah. I, I, I feel like I'm a little bit more confident in Albert. Oh, and I think we certainly both want to yeah. see him out there a ton. Uh, I, I just, I just think that we're going to, um, I think he actually probably did need those reps in the new offense. He wasn't a big, big blocker at all at, at Mizzou. And I think he probably didn't need those reps. And they, they explained that that was because they want to get him more reps blocking in live action. Um, his backups are they, – they kept three tight ends, Alberto, Eric Salbert, who's played for like, you know, seven teams, mm-hmm. and then Eric Tomlinson, who is like the most blocking tight end of, of all blocking tight ends. So I, I think that Alberto is going to be playing a ton. I think he's going to have a monster year. I, Sean Siegel, um, uh, you know, uh, FF contrarian of Rotoviz, he, he – um, had some prediction like, you know, he he likes to make bold predictions that Albert O would be the number one overall fantasy tight end this year. And that is legitimately in his range of potential outcomes. Yep. Let's go to Houston. I'm excited, more excited than most for, for Houston. I think we know the deal on Damian Pierce by now. I mean, everybody knows Damian Pierce is going to be the feature back for Houston. We still expect Rex Burkett to mix in on pass downs. I guess my question is just, is Davis Mills good enough to really have a plus offense, like not just an average offense, an above average offense. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for Davis Mills, Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins, Damian Pierce, Brevin Jordan to form, you know, a a league average or better offense. I know that's like a hot take, but I still think it's possible. So I'm excited to see what Houston can do. Anything for you on the Texans? Um. They added Tyler Johnson off waivers uh, last preseason. Anybody who was playing DFS with us in the playoffs heard me talk about Tyler Johnson all the time last year. He never hit, you know, just out there running wind sprints really in the slot. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady would, you know, occasionally he'd get a target and then he'd just like totally blow it. But he landed in a pretty good situation where he could eventually end up as a slot receiver between Brandon, Kicks, Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins. Damian Pierce on the Texans final depth chart is listed as the starter. Um, they initially, well, when they cut Marlon Mack, they initially put him on the practice squad. Now they cut him off the practice squad. So he's totally out of the mix. And then they, did they cut Royce Freeman? 
I'm not sure on that. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Well, we we, we can look into that later. But I, I think it's going to be a one-two punch in the backfield of Damian Pierce and Rex Burkhead. And Rex Burkhead is going to be a lightly used role player. And I think Damian Pierce can can come out of the gates handling 17, 18, 19 touches. Yeah, and we'll talk a lot more about this on Friday night. Damian Pierce is only 4,800 on DraftKings uh, week one. Colts, you know, I think the assumption is that Michael Pittman is going to take the leap and earn 25, 27, 28% of the targets from Matt Ryan. Um, I'm optimistic on that. I, I think it's a good take. I don't think it's a lock. And maybe it'll end up being flatter than we think. And if it is flatter than we think in terms of target distribution, I'm excited for Mo Alley. I'm excited for Paris Campbell. I think there's other guys that can be used other than Michael Pittman. And Michael Pittman can still have a really nice year at 21, 22, 23%. The guys who earn 25 to 30% of targets are like the elite of the elite. And I think Michael Pittman can do that. I just don't know for sure. So I think it's worth watching how locked on Matt Ryan is to Michael Pittman or if he's going to spread it around more. And I'm really hopeful on Mo Alley Cox been taking him a ton, a ton, a ton late, especially in best ball stuff. But yeah, what, what about you on the Colts? Yeah, my thing is more narrative driven. And that's that the players have been just in all out praise of Matt Ryan, how crisp the practices have been, how much of a leader he is. And you can hear, hear sort of like the undertones of them taking veiled shots at Carson Wentz because it's just, I, th- I think I think it was, yeah, the quote from Pittman or, or Mo Alley where was t- they were talking about how last year everything was so disjointed. You know, the quarterback wasn't telling you where to be, you know, and, and Matt Ryan tells you where to be and he, and he helps you. And last year they were just out there playing like street ball. And now everything is like, you know, organized and, and, and regimented and the players love that. So um, I don't know, you know, Matt Ryan's an old guy. He doesn't have, you know, he, he doesn't have great, great arm strength. He doesn't have great, great mobility, uh, but he is, you know, he's, he's very much a, a veteran solid presence. And uh, it's going to, it's a really interesting year for, for uh, the Colts. Yeah. It reminds me of Phillip Rivers when the Colts got yeah. him, like who would you rather have the Phillip Rivers, that version on the Colts or Matt Ryan, this year, I feel like they're kind of similar. They did go eleven and five with Philip Rivers, um, but I think I would take Matt Ryan. Okay. Um, by the way, everybody hates Carson Wentz. I don't mean everybody yeah. like in the media. I mean like everybody he plays with seems to end up hating yeah. Carson Wentz. It's a weird. I wonder what he's doing. That's uh, so. Yeah. Anyways, Jacksonville. I'm just amazed by this James Robinson thing, man. Eight and a half months since his Achilles. Sounds like he's going to be active week one now. He didn't play at all in the preseason. Snoop Connor was the number two behind Travis Etienne. I don't know how much James Robinson is going to play if he's active. So we'll see there. And the other thing I'm watching with the backfield is this Travis Etienne pass game role stuff. You know, there's been a lot of speculation from tape bros and tape grinders out there that were overrating Travis Etienne's pass game ability. I'm not sure I buy that, but I'll, I want to see if Jacksonville does or not. Because if Travis Etienne doesn't have that elite pass game role, obviously he's not going to pay off, you know, third, fourth round. ADP, so I'll certainly be watching that. What do you think about Jaguar stuff, Evan? Um, Christian Kirk, just, you know, like I thought he was a screaming value throughout draft season. And I mean, we pumped him up and and his ADP really never caught up with where I think that it belonged. Um, So can he come out of the gate commanding a big time target share? I'm not a believer in Zay Jones. You know, Josh Norris loves the guy. He's had like three good games in his, you know, five year career. Um, and then Marvin Jones, he, he, he's really old and his underlying metrics were poor last year and got progressively poor as the season progressed. Um, Evan Ingram is really interesting 
this year because he's got a lot of opportunity, but, you know, historically he has always flubbed his opportunity. It sets up so nicely, I think, for Christian Kirk. He's a really good player, I think. He can play inside and out. We had Matt Harmon on, crushing reception, perception. I'm just I'm, – I'm excited to see Christian Kirk in, in week one and beyond. Let's go to the Kansas City Chiefs. My, my big thing is how much of the wide receivers rotate. You know, I, I think it's going to be Juju and MVS on almost every snap, but I'm not like 100% sure on that because McCall Hardman and Sky Moore are likely going to mix in as well. How do they mix in? When do they mix in? How much do they mix in? Um, I Again, I do think that Juju and MVS will be the clear guys ahead, but we'll see. What are you looking at on the Chiefs? Yeah, does uh, does Isaiah Pacheco have any kind of a week one role? Does Ronald Jones have a week one role? My guess is that it's going to be CEH mainly on early downs and then a lot of McKinnon in the passing game. Mm-hmm. But they've got two other guys there that, you know, Pacheco in terms of like he's got the best speed score in the backfield. And then Ronald Jones is probably the best pure runner in the backfield. So how is all that going to shake out? I think the chiefs are going to have a great offensive line this year. I think they're going to have a great offense period this year, because that's what happens when you have Patrick Mahomes and, and Andy Reed. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're still in the process of figuring out identifying usage at both the running back and receiver positions in Kansas city. Yeah. I mean, I think Isaiah Pacheco will be active for this game because he's their kick returner and he's going to play on a bunch of special teams. Just because Isaiah Pacheco is active doesn't mean he's actually going to play on offense. You know, it's very possible for Isaiah Pacheco to be active and only play special teams. We'll see if Ronald Jones is active for this game or not. Let's go to Las Vegas. You know, Aaron Rodgers' rapport with Devontae Adams is uh, something like for NFL history. Like nobody saw as many targets higher target share, target share around the goal line as Devontae Adams from Aaron Rodgers. Will it be the same in Las Vegas with Derek Carr, shower narrative, and also near-death narrative? I don't know if you saw the story today, but apparently Derek Carr and Devontae Adams went whitewater rafting together and nearly died uh, together while whitewater rafting. So we have that narrative going for us. But, you know, obviously Evans talked a lot about having a slight fade on Devontae Adams because he's been going so high. I'm just really curious. Does Carr lock onto Adams, or are we going to see big target shares for Renfro and Waller also this week? What about you on the Raiders? What kind of a role is Amir White going to have in week one? I think that we've largely determined that Amir Abdullah is going to be the designated passing down back. Josh Jacobs is going to open as the starter, but, you know, the Raiders didn't there. They declined Josh Jacobs' fifth-year option. You know, they added a bunch of RBs in the offseason. Um, Zamir White, I think, is maybe just as good of a runner as is Josh Jacobs. And um, I, I'm, I'm very interested. Do they split it right down the middle? Like, I think that that could be the case in terms of carries, Josh Jacobs and Zamir White in week one. Okay, let's go to the Chargers. I'm looking at Gerald Everett. And maybe I'm a little scared that we've underrated Gerald Everett. You know, mm-hmm. I, I like him as a late round tight end, but maybe he can be more than a flyer. I mean, Jared Cook last year, and Jared Cook was old couldn't move that well. He got 5.1 targets per game. Gerald Everett's going to have that role. And Gerald Everett, I think, is a better athlete. I don't know if he's a better player, but he's certainly a better athlete at that point in his career than Jared Cook, who was just kind of lumbering around out there. So I'm looking at Gerald Everett, and I'm also looking at Josh Palmer's role. Is he actually the every down number three? Will he play in all three wide receiver sets? What about the Chargers for you? Yes, who's going to be the number two running back behind Austin Eckler? It seems like Josh Kelly is going to open the season 
in that role, but they did add Sony Michelle uh, late. And then at some point, I think that Isaiah Spiller is going to get healthy and rally a little bit. That It's probably going to be a, a rotating situation, uh, at least in, through September and maybe October even. But um, well, I, I'm, I'm still I'm keeping my eye on what happens in week one. For the Miami Dolphins, I've taken some Raheem Mostert late lately it just got cleared up with the sony michelle thing you know i think we expected that but it just got a lot much clearer with sony michelle no longer a threat to raheem mostert how much base work does chase edmonds get or is most of the base work going to be raheem mostert i think it's a really interesting question because chase edmonds if he gets 10 11 12 carries plus all the pass down work i mean chase edmonds we've been talking about it all summer i mean he's going to smash his adp especially where it was before he started really spiking uh if he has that role and i think there's a pretty good chance that he does other thing for me on on miami is I think we assume that it's going to be super concentrated. Like Mike Jasicki is going to be phased out. Cedric Wilson's not going to earn a lot of targets. And so it's all going to go to Tua and Jalen Waddle. That's my base assumption. That's why I've been taking Tua and Waddle both in the top four rounds. But, you know, there's some risk that other guys seep in more than we're projecting. So I'll be watching that. What are you looking for in the Dolphins, Evan? Yeah, one of Leone's bold predictions is that Jalen Waddle is going to out-target Tyreek Hill this year. Um, I did a main event draft with uh, some buddies from from back home uh, over the uh, or uh, last Friday night, and uh, we got Jalen Waddle in the, in the fourth round, late fourth round, and we were thrilled with that pick. So I hope that Leone's right, at least for the sake of that team. This offensive line was terrible last year, okay, but this year their starting lineup projects to have a first round pick, two second round picks. Connor Williams, who they get of a huge deal from Dallas at center. And then Teron Armstead, who we know has been one of the best left tackles in the league for a long time. Can this offensive line make a big rebound? Hmm. The, the, the monetary investments and the draft pick investments that they've made suggest that it should. By the way, I know we're not talking a lot about individual matchups here and how, you know, Miami's uh, offensive line interacts with their matchup and all that. We'll do all that on Friday night's show as it pertains to DFS that will be for insane subscribers on Friday night, me, Evan, and Wiggins talking through all the viable plays in DFS. Uh, New England Patriots, obviously the running back thing. We've been talking about it all summer. How is the usage going to go between Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson and Ty Montgomery if he's active and Pierre Strong? Because I, you know, I'm optimistic that it's going to be series by series, that Ramondre at worst uh, is going to get some series to himself and at best he's going to be the clear pass down back. But that's speculation for now. We will see how it goes. What are you thinking for on New England, Evan? <clears throat> um, yeah, all about Ramondre. You know, the way that uh the way that Bill Belichick has talked about Ramondre, you know, he he never really talks up his own players. What he actually does is he talks up the players on the other team that the Patriots are facing in a given week. But the way that he has talked about Ramondre and the improvements that he's made and how good he's gotten in the passing game and how much they trust him in blitz protection. That, that's not common for Bill Belichick to talk like that about one of his own players. So I don't know, you know, it could just be classic coach speak, I, I suppose, but you just, he doesn't really do the classic coach speak thing. Yeah. But that just keeps standing out to me. And look, I'm a Ramondre guy. You know, I, I have been since last year, I definitely have like some sort of innate bias that I, I want to see him succeed because I've, I've really, liked him so much um so maybe that's seeping in but i 
I think he's a better player than Damian Harris is. And I, yeah. I know Damian Harris scored 15 touchdowns last year, okay? But I think Ramondre Stevens is, is better than Damian Harris. Yep. Yeah, really interesting to see how New England plays it. Speaking of better, let's move to the Jets here. And, you know, I, I like Michael Carter. I think Michael Carter is a nice player. To me, Brees Hall should visibly run circles around Michael Carter and force the coaches to start starting Brees Hall, to start featuring Brees Hall. So will he do that? Will he start climbing ahead of Michael Carter? So I'm really interested in the usage there between Carter and Brees Hall and really how well Brees Hall can play. Because I think he can force the coach's hand to really put him in a feature back role and Michael Carter in a secondary back role pretty quickly if Brees can play well right away. Second thing on the Jets is Garrett Wilson. I mean, nobody wants Garrett Wilson right now. He ran as number four wide receiver for the Jets all preseason. It doesn't look like he's going to be much more than a rotational wide receiver in week one. Obviously, there's all these quarterback questions. I mean, nobody wants Garrett Wilson at all. He still has really good draft capital as a first-round wide receiver, which typically, historically, pays off. So I'm watching how much Garrett Wilson can get out, get out there. Also, what do you think about the Jets? Yeah, are we going to get Zach Wilson in week one? Rich Samini is saying that we're not. Um, the Jets are, like, not going to tell us, probably. But, I mean, you know, gun to the head right now, I think I, I would predict Joe Flacco to be their week one starter. I think that's actually good news for Elijah Moore. Um, and and one, my, my really big question here is, will one of these pass catchers emerge and grab a significant, you know, major stranglehold at the, at the top of the depth chart in terms of target share, Elijah Moore would be the best bet. Elijah Moore and Zach Wilson weren't on the same page at all last year. The catch rate when Zach Wilson targeted Elijah Moore was pathetic, like well below 50%. Elijah Moore is really good with Joe Flacco. Um, you know, and they've got Garrett Wilson, and they're going to play Braxton Berrios, at very least in a uh, rotational role, and Corey Davis, and... Denzel Mims had a big final third or final preseason game, and he could factor in for 10 snaps. They've got a bunch of tight ends that they can play. Tyler Conklin, CJ Uzoma, they use a third round pick on Jeremy Ruckert. You know, is one guy going to step forward and take charge in, in, in target share? I think it would be Elijah Moore. We'll see if it happens. Yeah, certainly like Elijah Moore's talent a lot. Let's go to the Steelers. What's the offense going to look like? in the first time without Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, is it going to be explosive enough? Is it going to be aggressive enough to support the ADP of all these guys? Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, George Pickens, even Firemuth started gaining some speed. Najee Harris goes late first round, early second round. I mean, it's hard for me to see this offense being efficient enough with their offensive line to support all those guys. I've had the Deontay Johnson fade on personally, just seems just way too expensive in my opinion, for someone who needs a lot of targets. But yeah, I'm interested to see how it goes without Ben because it's been a long time since we've seen Steelers offense without Ben. What do you think about Steelers? Yeah, I mentioned on the NFC podcast that my favorite NFC super late round pick had become Sammy Watkins by the end of preseason. The AFC, it's Jalen Warren, who really won the number two running back job in Pittsburgh like weeks ago. Um, you know, all the, all the Steelers beat writers started tweeting about it. And it was like... Who the heck is Jalen Warren? Undrafted dude from Oklahoma State. Uh, transferred there. 5'8", like, well, I've seen him listed at 215 and 204. I think he was 204 at his pro day. Um, you know, he's good in the preseason, and he easily beat out Benny Snell. Now, Benny Snell is terrible. Mm -hmm. But, um, 
you know, considering the fact that Najee Harris has a massive projective workload, he's going to take a lot of hits this year. And he already has a, had a Liz Frank issue during training camp. I mean, I, I think Jalen Warren makes a ton of sense um, as, as a super late round flyer. And then how long is it going to take for Kenny Pickett to overtake Mitchell Trubisky? I don't know. Where, where would you set the over under? Yeah, Kenny Pickett, I thought, played pretty well in the preseason. Really well. I think Trubisky will be okay and fine, but first-round quarterbacks, I mean, outside of Trey Lance, they just don't sit ever. And so, yeah, I, I could see easily before October's over, we see some Kenny Pickett. Let's go to the last AFC team, Tennessee. Well, Evan, we know what we're going to talk about with Tennessee. How much will Traylon Burks play, and how will he perform? You know, uh, my take, uh, I think, has been steady the whole time. I'm skeptical on Traylon Burks being effective in year one, but I think he's going to play a ton. And sometimes it's enough to just be out there and play a ton as a first round talent and you can get there. And so uh, I thought the hate on Traylon Burks, I thought the hype got too hype. The hate got too hate. There was somewhere in between that I think was right on Traylon Burks. I do think that he'll come off the bench behind Nick Westbrook, Akine and Robert Woods in week one, but he'll start playing a lot. I mean, he just has to start playing a lot. So I'm excited to finally like, you know, see football on guys like Traylon Burks because there's right. just been so I'm so tired of just talking about him. I want to see some football yeah. on Traylon Burks. Yep. I'm with you. I don't have a whole lot to add there. All right. That is gonna do it for the first AFC team by team pod of the season. Be sure you're subscribed to our in-season package. You can catch me and Evan on Friday night and again on Sunday morning, talking through all your DFS lineups, start sis decisions, all that happens on Sunday morning, Friday night, me, Evan. And Wiggins talking through the DFS slate. All of Evan's matchups will be up Friday. And we'll have the audio version of that as well. If you don't want to read Evan's matchups, you don't like reading, no problem. We have a young man named Jake who will read it to you. Subscriber-only podcast for you. Pretty incredible. All right. That's going to do it for Pursue Luke, for Evan. I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm.